0: Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my God, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing.
1: little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant your independent Star Trek podcast welcome everyone to Trek geeks I am your co-host Bill Smith we're so happy you've joined us and this is episode 102 we're so very psyched to have a great discussion tonight and joining me in that discussion as he does always well you know if he were trapped under the Arctic ice and I found him as part of a survey team I would just cover it back up with snow and leave him there. He's the very popsicle-like Dan Davidson. And, Dan, resistance is futile, buddy.
0: It is tonight, that's for sure. I know you wouldn't. You would thaw me out, give me a big hug, and we'd just pick right up where we left off, wouldn't we?
1: <laughs> no.
0: No. Not at all. Nice Borg uh, intro. That's uh, kind of kind of interesting that you say that.
1: I wonder why that is. We We'd certainly have a, a specific topic tonight. And since we've already mentioned the Borg, it might have something to do with that, I think.
0: Absolutely. Um, It's a controversial episode, perhaps, to some, but uh, we're going to talk Enterprise Regeneration tonight, exclusively. Uh, Borg show up in the Enterprise timeline? What? It should be a fun
1: conversation. It should be. You know, I haven't... Before I watched it for this podcast, I have not watched this episode in at least a decade. Oh, wow. Interesting. I want to say. Yeah. So um, it was good to watch again. I um, There are a lot of parts of it that I had forgotten, but we'll get into that later. Dan, what we should get into now is telling the fine folks who may have found this show through whatever means how they could possibly subscribe to us.
0: Yeah, it's very easy. If you're new to the podcast, we've made it super easy for you to sub- subscribe not easy to, to talk, but to you know, what? it's me. So. <laughs> you can have every episode of Trek Geeks automatically downloaded straight to your mobile device. You just need to head on over to subscribe.trekgeeks.com and find out how you can get this here podcast every Tuesday on your iPod, iPhone, Android, or any other favorite device. Plus, you can also listen to the podcast on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and even directly on trekgeeks.com. Hey, Bill, it's your independent Star Trek... <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights. <laughs> it really... It's going
1: to be? It it's already in, is.
0: <laughs> it's your independent Star Trek podcast delivered your way. So, make it so.
1: That, uh, it's a. It's We're going to leave you under that Arctic ice because that was the chilliest cold read I've ever heard. Woo,
0: that was pretty cold. That was a great job, buddy. You did it last week, so you did a better job. That I did. <laughs>
1: Dan, it's time for the news from Treknews.net.
0: <tell> <tell> what, what what was that? Oh, I don't think I paid my electric bill. <laughs>
1: oh, hey. Ooh, that's okay. Dan, the news from Treknews.net brought to us by our great friends at Treknews.net. And they are online, in fact, at Treknews.net. Dan, first up, it appears the mirror. Has been broken, and it looks
0: glorious. It does look glorious. This past, uh, last week was free comic book day in May. Happens every year, and uh, Star Trek The Next Generation Mirror Broken uh, was released. Um, it was not released digitally for that day. Um, you did have to be at a comic book store to get it, but the review looks fantastic. Uh, really some great goings on in the Mirror Universe. Captain Picard in command of the ISS Stargazer, not the Enterprise. Very interesting. Uh, and there's some good stuff that is going to be coming along, uh, including how Deanna Troy is called the Witch. Doctor, no, it wasn't the witch doctor, it was something different, but very evil looking. Um, and it's a lot of it in this preview episode that came out is told through the eyes of Barkley. So I thought that was pretty cool. The review is very, very good. I,
1: I think the phrase you used with me earlier was the mind witch, mind witch.
0: Right? Yes, that was it, mind witch, which is kind of scary.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It's certainly, uh, Seems very mirror universe like, and it sounds like it is right up your alley, man.
0: Yeah, I'm real looking forward to it. The first real issue um, will be available digitally this week, I believe, on Wednesday, the seventeenth, unless I'm mistaken. Um, but uh, it should be uh, it should be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, and I am confirming that it'll be May seventeenth from IDW Comics. Looks pretty awesome. Can't wait to read it. Awesome. Uh, Moving on, Dan, it looks like uh,
1: not this past weekend, but the one before Chris Pine, Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek movies, channeled his inner Shatner.
0: Yeah, uh, I would say that that was a good channeling of Shatner. That was probably the only good thing about this, but uh, he was hosting Saturday Night Live uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, and of course, you have to do the obligatory Star Trek skit when someone from Star Trek is on the show. So, it was uh, the old TOS version of the Enterprise Uh, The story was um, about a lost episode, the 81st episode called Spock's Secret. And uh, Chris Pine did a really, really good Shatner version of Kirk. And that's pretty much the only thing that I can say about that skit itself.
1: The the rest of that skit was one of the worst SNL Star Trek skits I've ever seen. And I'm going to sum it up with this. Now, that's a Star Trek.
0: Oh, God, you had to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I had
1: to. Now, I want to know why Spock would have a brother named Spocko.
0: (laughs) It's it's Saturday Night Live. That's really all you need to know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I did find it interesting that the person who played Sulu has played Sulu in pretty much all of the Saturday Night Live Star Trek skits all the way back to when Belushi played Kirk back in the 70s. That's kind of cool
1: yeah that really is kind of amazing. I never thought that um this guy would find work as as Sulu as often as about uh, about as often as John Cho does so that's three three times in like you know x number of years so Dan also speaking of s n l as we celebrate t n g thirty there's one skit that we just simply can't forget about, and it involves two of our
0: favorite properties. oh my gosh, it is uh almost thirty years ago of course t n g thirty is this year. Um, And back in 1994, Saturday Night Live was hosted by Sir Patrick Stewart, and it was an amazing next generation love boat mashup, and it was glorious. Probably one of the best uh, Saturday Night Live Star Trek skits, uh, and uh, set a course, Bill, for love. (laughs) Well, how we didn't cover
1: that on the first episode of Lido Deck, a love boat podcast, I would never know.
0: It's, uh, I I will never know. But, you know, we already know what Episode 2 will have in store now, I guess.
1: I guess that's right. We'll have to talk to Champion. Episode 2 is going to be Love Boat, The Next Generation, SNL style.
0: I love it. It, Check out the skit. It is pretty funny.
1: (laughs) Dan, we have a little Star Trek Discovery news, which is uh, late to the game of sorts. It looks like one of the uh, producers of Star Trek Discovery hints at a reveal soon. Mm. and um, he had something else to say about the show.
0: He did. Supervising producer Ted Sullivan uh, tweeted out to fans uh, that it's been quiet, but the quiet on the CBS Trek new show Discovery will be changing soon, uh, which is very good. It has been quiet from an official standpoint with Discovery, so it was good to see that. And the other thing that he wanted to mention uh, in a couple of his tweets is he wanted to assure fans that this was, in fact, a prequel to the original series and not any kind of reboot of any kind. And he was actually questioning why people would be confused on that front, because I don't recall anything ever being said that it would be a reboot or anything of that sort. It's always been that it was going to be a prequel to TOS.
1: I think that people are taking the look of the show and the alleged look of potential Klingons and saying, oh, we'll see, it, it can't be prime timeline. It can't be canon because those aren't our Klingons or that's not what Starfleet looks like. Instead of just accepting the fact that, hey, it's been 50 years since Star Trek was produced originally. You know, it, it's going to look different. It's got to look somewhat believable.
0: Yeah. Um, we're still shooting for a fall release, we hope. Um, the other interesting part in this uh, article over at Trek, uh, Trek News is that um, Rain Wilson tweeted out that he just read the script where he will be guest starring as your favorite character, Harry Mudd. Uh, and all he had to say in capital letters is that the script was, quote, it's really good. Like I said, all in caps. So, So basically what he's saying is that it's not going to be like the other two episodes with Harry Mudd in the original series. That's the way I'm looking at it.
1: Well, you know, part of the buzz with this now is that CBS has their upfronts coming up this coming week. Yes, you know, this is where they show um, you know little clips of shows that will be premiering in the fall, or you know, projects that they have on the board, and they show them to their affiliates and other sponsors. And there is the assumption that we should see something at upfronts this week, kind of like we saw the the teaser trail or trailer with the uh, the the uh, the Starship Discovery last year at this right. time. Right. So that's kind of what is precipitating this. We hope to have something to talk about in news next week, about a clip or something new from you know, the setup in Toronto. But I guess we'll see.
0: Looking forward to seeing what happens.
1: And Dan, lastly in news, is really some news about us vis-a-vis Star Trek Discovery. And Trek Geeks is now an official affiliate partner for CBS All Access
0: yeah this is really exciting we're really we're really proud of this uh listeners who subscribe to cbs all access using our unique link can directly help our podcast so uh so it's it's a win win for everybody i guess you could say uh we'll get a commission for every subscription we bring in which goes directly to offsetting the cost of producing this podcast and uh for those of you who want to join cbs all access the first week is free uh, and then you'll have access to all six Star Trek series, and it's the only place that U.S. residents can subscribe to see Star Trek Discovery when it uh, comes out this fall? <laughs> yes, this fall. I'm <laughs> saying <scary>. this fall. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, that, that's what it says. <laughs> and where might one go to do that, Dan?
0: Well, you can head right over to discovery.trekgeeks.com, and... Uh, Sign right up and we will be very, very grateful and thank you in advance.
1: Uh, Definitely. You know, we've heard from some people who've said, well, they don't want to sign up just yet because Discovery hasn't premiered yet. And we understand that our affiliate... relationship with CBS All Access is not going away. So later on, when you decide to subscribe to CBS All Access, this link will still be there. And like Dan said, if, uh, if you wouldn't mind using our link to subscribe, that certainly would uh, would help benefit Trek Geeks and, and help you know offset some of the costs for producing the show. But it's very exciting to be a, a partner with CBS and All Access
0: it is uh and when this first came down and and we saw that this was a possibility i think we were both extremely excited to be involved and uh we look forward to uh to anyone uh who wants to join and uh, we look forward to discovery i mean that's that's what it all comes down to this fall is going to be awesome
1: As you know, Dan, last week we announced a couple of giveaways, Um, and we should say right off the bat, our Star Trek Cats giveaway, which is ongoing in Camp Kittimer, has one more week left. People can go there. Uh, if you're not a member of Camp Kittimer, you can just you know still join right in. You can go to Facebook.com slash group slash Camp and uh, somebody will let you write in. It might even be Dan, if he figures out how to use it. But uh, you, you find the post pinned at to the top with the f- uh, photo of the Star Trek cat's cover and just comment on the thread. You know, it can either be about your cat or a cat or someone's cat, or uh, it could be about Data's cat. doesn't really matter. We'll pick somebody at random. From that comment section, and we'll give away two copies of the book is that about right Dan?
0: that is wow I couldn't have said it better myself, and you know that that's true because I can't really <laughs> say anything very well, but yeah absolutely it's a it's a it's a great uh book sixty four pages it's pretty amusing uh absolutely two winners post away Camp Kittimer let's do it I love it and Dan we uh we
1: actually had the second giveaway, our brainstorm gear giveaway. As people remember, we were giving away their live long and prosper shirt as one of as well as one of their hats, which they threw in. Mm-hmm. And we have a winner to announce for that one tonight.
0: We do, and in honor of this announcement tonight, I'm wearing my brainstorm gear shirt tonight, the green one with the Delta. It's pretty awesome. It's very comfy, uh, but uh, not enough about that. We want to congratulate Lori from Virginia. Because, Lori, you got yourself a new shirt and hat from Brainstorm Gear, girl. Woohoo!
1: That's awesome. We're very psyched, Lori. We'll get that in the mail to you soon. We thank you very much for, for listening and for participating. And thanks to everybody who, um, who retweeted that tweet. Uh, our friends at Brainstorm certainly appreciate it, and uh, we do too. Dan, we're going to change gears a little bit now. You and I are going to do something special this year at STLV. That's something we've been talking about for quite a while, but it's a concept that's really near and dear to our hearts. And um, you and I are going to try to do a little good while we're hanging out in Las Vegas this year.
0: Yes, this is something that we're very, very proud of. We love our dogs. Uh, I've got two dogs, Callie and Aria. You have your precious Abby, um, both rescue dogs. And we decided let's do something good uh, out in Vegas this year. So what we're going to do is we are going to try to raise... $1,000 $1,000 for the Nevada SPCA, which is the largest no-kill animal shelter in the Las Vegas area. Uh, the money's going to go straight to the NSPCA. We'll never see it. We'll never touch it. Uh, they are a certified 501c3 charity, um, and we could not be more proud to have this fundraiser so that we can help our four-legged friends, um, and I guess it would be uh, a good idea to describe what we're actually going to do to uh, to uh, raise this money. So, Bill, why don't you go ahead and share that wonderful idea that you came up with?
1: <laughs> you know, sometimes I get these wild ideas, and I don't know where they come from. Neither but I. Uh, I, I explain them to you, and you go, "Huh," <laughs> and then you think about it, and you're like, "You're crazy." So, um, we decided that in order to raise a thousand dollars, we're going to show people our sexy legs. And we're going to do that by wearing the scant uniform from season one of Star Trek, the next generation, since this this is the TNG 30 year. Now, for those who weren't sure what a scant is, it's sort of, some people call it the male miniskirt, even though more than just men wore them on on that first season of TNG. So we are actually going to have the uniforms made. We have the patterns and um, we are going to wear them on the Saturday of the convention in Vegas, since that is the biggest day. Now, in concert with that, in addition to asking people to donate um to the GoFundMe that we are using for this, we are also going to do an additional fundraising component in Las Vegas at the convention and so we want people to take selfies with us in uniform. I mean, it might break their camera lens, Dan, but <laughs> i'm willing to risk it if you are Dan what up? <laughs> <laughs> so for the first hundred selfies that people take with us in Las Vegas and tag us in the nh uh, i'm sorry the uh, nevada spca we will donate one dollar to the shelter for the first hundred selfies now we were contacted by our friends at the gnt show they heard about what we were doing and they have said they will match that dollar dan yeah uh, for every selfie taken at stlv on saturday so that will be two dollars an additional two hundred dollars going to the NSPCA just for people taking selfies. So we want to take as many selfies as we can that day, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be so much fun, and it's for such a good cause. I, you know, you probably could have put me in any outfit if it was going to be for something like donating to the NSPCA. So thank goodness we only chose the scants because it could have gotten a little crazy.
1: Oh, now you tell me because I <laughs> could. I could have gotten that pattern for Troy's teal dress, and we oh. could have totally oh. given you a wig and everything, dude.
0: I'm sorry, yeah, it's too late. Uh, you know, the contract's already been signed. Uh-huh. But uh, so, um, folks, you want to? You, we definitely would love to to have you help us out. Uh, please go check out the site. It's uh, GoFundMe.com/slash/TrekGeeks. There's a great uh, write up about it. We got. So we're gonna have some pictures of our dogs and the stories with with our dogs, bo- all three of them being rescued. Um, and uh, we really hope that you will uh help us out and for those in vegas get your cell phones and cameras ready because we are going to be out there in our beautiful leg glory man
1: (laughs) now we do have to say we launched this gofundme as we record this yesterday so that would be saturday afternoon may 13th and already we are almost one quarter of the way there dan it is awesome almost 250 dollars. now the thing about gofundme is that they still charge fees Mm -hmm. So in order to clear a thousand dollars for the Nevada SPCA, we need to raise a little over 1100 bucks as part of the campaign. So that's really what we're shooting for. And we are already well on our way. I couldn't be more excited. Thanks to the people who have donated so far. And and thanks to everyone who's going to consider donating because we would love to help do some good for the dogs, cats and other adoptable pets that the Nevada SPCA is trying to find a forever home for.
0: So say we all.
1: Dan, I've heard somebody say once that Resistance is futile. Hmm. Really? I don't know. I don't know. That kind of rings a bell. I'm not quite sure where it comes from. But, Dan, tonight we're going to talk about the Season 2 episode of Enterprise, because it wasn't yet called Star Trek Enterprise. True. Regeneration, in which Captain Archer and company meet the Borg, although they don't necessarily know that.
0: They don't know that. No, they are an unknown alien throughout the episode. They never actually say what they are called. Um, it's kind of a controversial episode because, of course, Enterprise takes place, what, about 175 years prior to TNG when the Borg were introduced uh, by Q. Um, but... Uh, you know, because the episode uh, is controversial, and because it's got some great points to it, and like hey, let's talk Borg, let's talk Enterprise—two things I love. It's a win-win, man.
1: Uh, totally win-win. You know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have not hadn't watched this episode in about ten years, and I don't know why. You know, I've gone back and watched other episodes of Enterprise. I do have some that are definite favorites of mine, and I, I just—this is just one that I—I've never gone back to, and I'm not really sure of the reasoning. Um, how many times before tonight would you estimate you've seen this particular episode? Do you know?
0: Um, I would say if if it's, if it's I'm scrolling through Netflix, which is what I've been using, uh, watching Enterprise on over the years that it's been on there, if I'm scrolling through Enterprise and I'm looking for a specific episode that I really enjoy, it'll either be In a Mirror Darkly 1 or 2 or Regeneration. So I've probably seen it, I don't know, maybe 10 times over the course of 10 years. Oh, it's, wow. It's I enjoyed it and I I watched it uh, a few times over the course of the week because I wanted to make sure I had all my ducks in a row. Um, I think you were not watching it though, because you would always queue up Aquiel. Um, I'm not sure why, but I think that's what was the reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll queue up like, um, uh, like the Vulcan trilogy. Yes. Um, you know, the one that Morehouse appears in into fire phasers. I, I do like that one. I, I do like the pilot. I think the pilot's really not a bad story. Yeah. And, um, Oh, God, the name of the episode where Archer has the short-term memory problem that has a reset oh, at the end. Oh, great,
0: great episode. I,
1: I can't remember the name of that one off the top of my head because I'm blanking it. But.
0: but it's kind of funny that you can't remember it, and that's what the whole episode's about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's awesome. Um, that's one of my favorites, though, because it, it highlights the relationship between Paul and Archer. But right. we'll talk about that another day. Mm-hmm. Today, though, um, I think the thing that—going uh, back to when I first watched this, when it premiered in— what was it, 2003?
0: Uh, May seventh. May 7th, oh, almost to the day that we're recording this, 2003, yeah.
1: Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's, damn, we got to do that more often. <laughs> um, I, I remember being apprehensive when I sat down to watch this episode, first run, like live, mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, come on. They're not supposed to meet the Borg. Right. The Borg are not supposed to have anything to do with this. And then as the episode sort of dawns, It actually became quite an interesting story they told. And I I think that's the thing I had to respect about this the most. Um, This is the point where I should ask you if you happen to have a three-minute, you know, uh, recap.
0: I don't have an actual three-minute recap. I didn't know if we wanted to do that for this. But, I mean, I can I certainly give credit to – I can read a couple paragraphs that I have up on my screen right now and just give credit to the fact that it's just a Wikipedia um, document, but it gives the general gist of the episode for those that uh, may want to get that uh, information, and I'd be more than happy to, to go through a few sentences so that people have an idea.
1: Well, you don't have to read it. You can just sort of thumbnail it and give the, yeah. the overall theme of the episode.
0: Yeah, so basically um, some researchers discover remains of a spaceship in the Arctic Circle, and there are some uh, humanoids there with cybernetic implants frozen in the wreckage. So because they're smart, kind of like a, a you know Roadrunner coyote cartoon, they decide to take the bodies and thaw them. And of course, uh, they wake up, uh, these scientists are assimilated, and they escape Earth in a ship. Um, Forrest tells the Enterprise crew that they got to go try to find these Tarkalian, uh, Tarkalian freighter where um, these um, uh, aliens escaped in. And they have been updating the uh, ship's propulsion and weapons. Archer's team gets there. Um, they find some crew members that have been transformed. They bring one to bay. Dr. Phlox gets uh, nano, nanoprobed, I guess you could say, infected. Um and eventually the enterprise catches up with that transport again. And there's a battle inside the ship. We see things that we're used to seeing, uh, in next generation, uh, and the ship is destroyed and all of the aliens are destroyed, but not before they send a signal towards the Delta quadrant, which is very interesting.
1: Yeah. I have to agree with that. Uh, There's elements of this, this story that I really like a lot, but, um, let me go to one of the things that really impressed me about this episode right off the bat is that, you know, as you sit there watching this, you know, the entire prologue and first act, you don't see the enterprise or the crew of the enterprise at all. Right. They're not in the first 10 minutes of the show. Mm hmm. And I thought that that was a fantastic choice. I thought it allowed a, a great way to tell this story. I thought it was creative to sort of pick up on this thread from first contact and have the Borg crashed at the Arctic Circle and have this be the sphere that, that was detonated, you know, or destroyed. Um, and I thought that this really got this episode off to a really great start. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I think that this is the thing that I loved the most about the story itself is you see this crashed ship that looks spherical, the pieces of the ship that are that are outside of the snow and ice. And then when you find out what it actually is, that it's from first contact, I thought it was a great way to tie in the movie, to tie in the time travel. They even talk at one point when they are on the Enterprise, Archer relates that he heard stories that Zephram Cochran used to talk about, about these robotic aliens that he ran into at one point. I thought it was a brilliant tie-in to the movies. Um, and it was done in a way that made it believable and wasn't something that was completely, how can they do this on Enterprise? That's one of the things I liked about it the most. It was believable in the Star Trek universe timeline, even though it was quote-unquote retcon.
1: I'm, uh, we're going to come back to that Cochrane scene because I have problems with that particular scene.
0: Okay. But
1: with regard to the first 10 minutes in general, there are enough moments in that first 10 minutes that make you yell at your television. <laughs> and by yell at your television, I mean, no, don't do that. Right. No, put them in cold storage. Mm-hmm. No. You know, and there's enough suspenseful things, you know, like when the one researcher comes up to, um, uh, to Bonnie Friedrich, who uh, is uh, John Billingsley's wife, because yeah. she's in this episode. Mm-hmm. Fantastic job, by the way. Yes. Um, and he, he startles her when she's scanning something. And it just... You don't expect it, and you as the viewer jump also. There's a lot of little moments like that. When the servos on the arm start yep. yeah, start actuating again, it's like, whoa. It's like, because you know, as a viewer, as a longtime Star Trek fan, you know what's about to go down.
0: Right. It's like the old 80s slasher horror movies where yeah why don't you get really close up to that dead body because nothing could happen right Uh, (laughs) and and they actually play in on that quite a bit and uh, i I thought it was very well done it was great
1: you know they do a great job of uh, of humans in 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 this part of starfleet's history discovering this alien and they too i mean it's not like they're like all right let's cut them open like no let's scan this let's find out more about this life form right it's a, It still kind of carries on the heart of Star Trek without necessarily being the Enterprise. I think it was nice to show that evolution of of humanity in that sense, just as an expedition.
0: Mm-hmm. I felt one of the things that it's very minor in the story, because it could have been anybody, but we get to finally see the Tarkalians. When have we ever not, when have we ever been able to see some of these aliens that have been talked about all throughout Star Trek history, and then we finally get to see them, even though they pretty much all die?
1: <laughs> they make a hell of a tea.
0: <laughs> they do absolutely. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> I think um, one of the I think one of the challenges this episode had, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean this from a, a purely you know uh, as an observer and as a fan. One of the challenges they had was to make the Borg function of this against the Starfleet crew in space believable. Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't have the technology that a normal cube would have, or else the NX-01 would have just been destroyed or assimilated or in the first 10 minutes of the episode. Right. So they had to kind of strike a balance, and I think they did that pretty well.
0: I think they did too. I think there were some aspects of how they were doing things which were a little bit convenient for the story, but at the same time, we've seen it done in some fashion with the Borg at some point. And one particular scene that, that, uh, that comes to mind is when the assimilated Tarkalian is on enterprise and he just inserts his tubules into a, uh a, a view screen. And all of a sudden new technology starts building instantly on that screen. Yeah. I just, I didn't get, I didn't care for that at all.
1: That was one of the, the problems I had with this particular episode. And I, I looked at that as kind of minor, Mm-hmm. I mean, we couldn't wait for that technology to to grow. And it's not like that all of a sudden it would just pop out of the wall. Right. That was just, that was a bit of a stretch. It looked cool as an Mm -hmm. effect, but it's like, come on,
0: really? I think one of the things also that we, um, uh, when we look at this episode... Uh, We said it before, and and unfortunately, in a negative sense, I have to look at this episode kind of along the same way that I've looked at the Borg in Voyager over the years. We all know what a threat and terror the Borg were in TNG and in the movies, and we've talked about the quote-unquote wussifying of the Borg during Voyager. You can't help but take into this episode that these borg are not the threat borg that we're used to they're more of the wussified borg but on the same pa- on a different page is it because they're they've been frozen for however long they're separated from the collective and they have to do things on their own that's a possibility but it is something that came into my mind that they were not the gigantic threat that we were used to seeing in TNG
1: I came to this from kind of the opposite angle um, because I, I didn't think they were as as neutered as as perhaps you did. Okay. Partly because they were small in numbers and they did assimilate the people at the Arctic Circle, mm-hmm. and they started to transform that 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 ship that that was there that the the research team came in. They didn't have all the classic tools of the trade, and they had to slowly build whatever presence they had and they were adapting well enough, but I I thought they had a little more teeth than say Voyager Borg, but certainly, I mean, I don't think anything could really come to the level of first contact.
0: Right. I think one of the things that I um, thought about this is you were talking about, they did have, they did, they were adapting. It was taking longer for them to adapt. Um, You know, in TNG, they'd get, one, two, maybe three phaser shots on a Borg before their shields adapted. This one, they seemed to be firing left and right for a long time when they were on the ship, when Reed and Archer were fighting them, when there were a lot more of them. And then, very different, when on Enterprise, they got one or two shots off before those Borg that were on the NX-01 adapted. So it was a little bit, you know... They're okay. These ones aren't okay. Situation, I thought, in my mind, during the episode, not taking anything away from it at all. It was still fantastic. Um, But there were some of those little tidbits that made me scratch my head just a little.
1: Yeah, I can respect that. Um, I think one of the things I I still appreciate about this show is the way Archer is written in this script. Mm -hmm. Because he starts off trying to give this race every possible chance. And that's not something that Archer has necessarily done. Certainly not
0: with the Vulcans.
1: No, certainly not with the Vulcans, you know, and, you know, this, this race, you know, uh, to which he has no idea what they're called has shown belligerence, at least from the get go. And he's still willing to, to try to rescue people and try to make things happen. And it's not until the scene where he has to essentially blow out the hatch and suck them into space mm-hmm. where he essentially comes to the conclusion that there's just, there's no saving this, right. there's no making this better. Th- this is, this is an enemy we have to kill.
0: And I got to say, that was a great scene, too. The special effects in that scene were really good, as are almost everything with Enterprise and the special effects. I thought that was pretty cool. It was eerie and cool at the same time.
1: I thought this episode did a great job of channeling that sort of feeling you got in uh, Q-Who, to some extent, when the Borg were new. And sort of adapting it for Enterprise. Because, I mean, you know, we know what the Borg are about, but this crew didn't. And that uncertainty, I thought, was something we haven't really been able to channel well since, you know, First Contact, since Best of Both Worlds. Certainly not in Voyager. It was, Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was great to be able to introduce this feeling of dread into the crew for this episode. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you one thing that I did not like about this episode. Sure. Flocks getting um a assimil- well attempt to be assimilated but for some reason he didn't. I thought that was convenient in the writing.
1: Yeah, I thought that was too. I um I thought that they planted that seed early on saying that the um the Genobulan had experimented with
0: Nanoprobe. you know,
1: yeah, nano probes and, and and modifications, but I didn't expect that they their 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 physical being their, their physiognomy, if you will, would um, would not assimilate as easily as say other species. I thought that was eh, it, it provided a, a good point in the script for for conflict. It provided some drama with flocks. but it seemed to me knowing everything we know about the board to be just a little incredible.
0: I agree. That's that's the point I was going to get to. They're not I mean, the Denobians certainly are not species 8472, so I felt it was a little interesting. Now, I did like how flocks could hear them in his in his mind and he was becoming increasing it was becoming increasingly difficult for him to function normally, but still humans for example when they get assimilated how fast did it take in first contact i mean it was pretty quick i just thought it was it was a way for the story to conveniently turn the way it did with flocks being um, attacked but not being turned and why didn't they use that radiation on anybody who needed it
1: right why didn't that carry forward into the notes (laughs) 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 no i just have to say John Billingsley did a fantastic job with what they gave him as always. Yeah. And his performance in this episode, I think is probably among the best because there's some real meat here for, for flocks to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, he has no idea if he's going to survive this.
0: Right. But he's very optimistic captain. So it came out good.
1: (laughs) Uh, At least I didn't do that smile again. My God. You know, one of the things that I thought was weird about this, you know, we, Aside from the homage we got to the Borg cutting beam and Q who, mm-hmm. you know, was that? It seemed like the NXL one withstood the attacks from the upgraded transport pretty well, and I don't think it should have.
0: I don't think it should have either, because as we know, the the shielding uh, for the Enterprise is not, in my opinion, has never been that great. Did they even have the uh, the um uh, what was the modifications that they made? I think it was in Season 3. So they only had the regular hull plating. They didn't have any special shielding yet, and it was convenient. Um, but again, were the Borgs weaponry, even though they had modified what the Tarkalians had, was it still not you know super Borgified, so to speak, so that it would be something uh, that the Enterprise wouldn't have been able to handle at all?
1: Well, you know, they worked in that line partway into the episode between Archer and Trip, where he says, "Well, you know, uh, they've upgraded their propulsion. they hoping they didn't, you know, get to the weapons yet." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, drop that breadcrumb. I get it." But it, if that ship, which can only do like what warp 1.8 before, can now do 4.9, right? I, I'm thinking that um, <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't take them long.
0: <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. So let's if if we want to do it right now, I ever since you said it I've been I've been very curious about your Zephram Cochran comment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um here's my problem with that. Is that that just seems, you know, like you talked about convenient devices planted by the writers. That is probably the most egregious one in this episode. Really? Yeah, because it 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 makes Cochrane sound like he is a senile crazy man. <laughs>
0: That's exactly how I took it. Yeah, yeah. And, but I don't mean that in a bad way.
1: And then all of a sudden, he he took it back years later. Why? Why? why?
0: Well, that might come into what we're going to discuss later about why did no one know about the Borg after this episode. I've got theories, and they're all and they're only theories. But um, we'll talk about that later. But I, but I actually I did take it exactly as that. They you know, I remember these stories of Cochrane telling the story about these these monster robots and I was like, wow, everybody thinks he's nutty because he was nutty in first contact, pretty much, because he was drinking all the time mostly. But um, I actually thought it was kind of interesting that they brought that piece of Star Trek history into the episode that way.
1: Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it, honestly, because I just I thought it was I thought it was lame. It was a way to plant a seed for the Borg. You know, with in in the logs of the enterprise, and it didn't necessarily need to be there. They could have told the same story without that little scene, and I think it would have been even more interesting and impactful.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. I like that. I I always like getting the difference of opinion. It's it's kind of neat to be able to think about it. So I can I can appreciate that. Well, thank you, thank I'm like you. Wrong, but that's all right.
1: <laughs> hey i'd I'd agree with you, and then then we'd both be wrong, so oh. <laughs> wow. i um yeah just i i thought it was i thought there was a little too much fan service in parts of this episode, and that that's what that scene felt like to me
0: I think that was purposeful. I think the entire oh, yeah. episode, yeah, absolutely. I think it was, oh my god, the Borg have always been our best, our best storyline. Let's do it, and it was, it was moment after moment after moment where people are like, yeah, from this, and yeah, from Q. So, uh, absolutely.
1: You know, and I don't want to sound like I I dislike this episode because, you know, like I said, I I watched it this week for the first time in a decade. Mm -hmm. And actually, I found a lot to like about it. I mean, it's a story that's told well.
0: Yeah, it's told very well. I love the episode. I think it's great. It's always great to see if, you know... When you don't overdo it, and I don't think they overdid it. I think they did it on purpose, but I don't think they overdid the bringing in stuff that Star Trek fans know into this episode. I love it when they do that. For example, very quick tangent, watching Voyager two nights ago, it was an episode with Leonardo da Vinci, and Janeway loves Leonardo da Vinci. and is telling Tuvok at one point that, oh my gosh, James T. James T. Kirk even mentions in one of his logs that he met Da Vinci. Perfect tie-in to Requiem. So I thought it was, this episode was that on a higher level on all the different things that they made us think about from episodes that we know so well.
1: Well, the other thing this this episode makes you think about is it kind of evokes the end of, of Next Gen's conspiracy in a way. You know, so at the end of this episode, Archer and T'Pol are talking, and you know, Archer says, "Well, you know, they sent that signal, and with subspace, it should reach the Delta Quadrant in about two hundred years, and you know, who knows what will happen then? There could be an invasion, blah blah blah. We know that'll be roughly the time frame when the Borg attempt to invade Earth, Mm -hmm. and it was—I thought it was a nice call forward, even though if it was a little ham-handed. I mean, let's be honest, but it really did feel." To me, like that—that that end of conspiracy, you know. After Remick gets his head blown off, yes, literally, yeah. And that signal was sent,
0: and you could hear the signal at the end of the episode,
1: right? Yeah. So I thought that th- that was one of the the things they did. I think, really think it was their only play in trying to end this episode. Quite honestly,
0: yeah. And I think they did it well. That's one of the things that I think people have a problem with. For those that do have a problem with this episode, is oh, how convenient! But well, it makes perfect sense. To Paul says it's going to take two hundred years to get to the Delta Quadrant. I think Next Generation, like I said earlier, is about 176 years or so. And Q did interfere and bring the Borg closer to, uh, to um, the Federation when uh, in Q Who. So it, it does make sense. They could have been on their way when Q decided to intervene. And I think it's a great way to end this particular episode asking those questions from Star Trek fans.
1: The only thing it doesn't answer... You know, as a companion to both Q who and a first contact, because, you know, th- this episode is kind of a sequel and a prequel at the same time mm-hmm. um, is why didn't Q mention this?
0: Well, yeah, that's that's the one thing that I, I that's not what I thought you were going to say. And that's a very good question. I've never actually thought of that. I just thought of it just now. That's a good question. See, you, you're pretty good on your feet from time to time. At Don't least let I'm it, not go reading to it
1: Yeah. Yeah. What did you think I was going to say?
0: I thought you were going to say why is there never been any mention of this in any federation logs or you know you know the they obviously had to say what was going on they were told that they were going to be assimilated even though they were never told we are the Borg so it's all there I always like to throw up my hands and say section 31 maybe had something to do with it pulling that stuff keeping it as secret as possible um I don't know. I, that's something that I always, I always like to think happened because th- there is information there. We talked about it a moment ago. Zefram Cochran, He talked about these creatures, and then all of a sudden, he pulled his story back. Why? My answer: Section thirty-one got to him. That's how I like to look at it. Yeah. I think
1: that's. I think that's reasonable. I think that's a. It's a great. Uh, even though I hate this phrase, it's a great piece of headcanon. It makes sense. It does tie it together. You, know, you mentioned uh, uh, at the top of the show, the controversy surrounding this episode, and you mentioned the, the standard Borg greeting just a, a minute ago. But that's one of the things that people harp on this episode with the most, is the fact that the Borg didn't provide their standard greeting. Right. But they didn't do it in Q Who either.
0: No, they didn't. They, you never hear them say, we are the Borg.
1: No, and according to Memory Alpha, they don't do it in the best of both worlds either.
0: Really, I'm gonna have to go back now and think of that. You have Locutus of Borg, but yeah, huh? Yeah,
1: interesting. Let me uh, let me read from you know their their article on regeneration briefly, and this is talking about the uh, the podcast commentary by uh, John Billingsley and and uh, and Bonnie Friedrichsie. And I think also the writers in their podcast commentary, the writers justified this by pointing out that the Borg and TNG Q, who never said we are the Borg when they encountered the Enterprise D, nor did they use that catchphrase when they confronted Picard's ship again in the
0: best of both worlds. That is I like that. That really helps to clarify a lot of things, in my opinion,
1: because honestly, that was the first thing I noticed when the Borg voice came over the speakers with the NXL one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, they didn't say we're the Borg. Well, no, they didn't, and
0: that actually fits. I think the first time they say it is in First Contact, isn't it? When they come over the speakers, when they're when Picard and the crew are listening to the battle.
1: I think that's right, but I, I would have to go back and listen because honestly, I've just taken it as as a fact that that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we've we've seen First Contact so many times in subsequent episodes of Voyager and the like that we're just used to hearing we are the Borg. Yeah. You know, it's entered our vernacular as, as Star Trek fans. You know, we use that quote all the time.
0: Absolutely. You can't put it on a license plate, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, you really
0: can't. One of the things that this is a this is another tangent kind of one of the things I love about the beginning. We talked about the beginning of the episode a little bit. It made me think of the thing. John Carpenter's The Thing.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I think I, th- I thought that was a great um, uh, kind of tribute to the thing. I also took me days and days. I watched it. The last time I watched it was like four or five days ago. And every time I've watched it, I'm like, oh my God, who was that guy? The first guy who gets assimilated was in Apollo 13. He's been in a bunch of stuff. It's one of those things that you're like, oh my God, this guy was in Star Trek too. They're everywhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that whole. Um, you know, creature in the Arctic thing made me think of the Thing, which is a great, great, great movie.
1: Well, Dan, let's address the central questions that we tend to, you know, pick for for each episode that we we discuss on Trek Geeks. And I've gone through and I've, I've written down three, and um, I'm going to start with this one first because I, I think it's probably the one that that fandom probably argues about the most, and that is, was this episode a mistake for Enterprise?
0: I don't think that it is um I, I won't I won't delay on that second no, absolutely not. I think it was fantastic for them to do this as an episode. Um, I'm glad they did it as a second season episode because they were still trying to pull in the viewership. If this was, a, if this happened in season four, I think it would have been a little bit more of a, Oh, they're trying to save the show because it's getting to the, it, you know, people are talking about canceling it. So I like the fact that it took place in season two. I think it was a masterful uh, choice to do it. in enterprise. I have to
1: agree with you. I, uh, I had some real reservations when I sat down to watch this in 2003. And, you know, at the end of the hour, I was like, Hey, that was pretty all right. Mm-hmm. And again, I have no idea why I didn't come back to this episode really after that. No idea. I don't know. But either. I, ultimately I think that it was good that they did this. Although I wish they had done it a little later in the show and I'll explain why. Um, after, after, uh, in the answering our third question.
0: Okay. But
1: for that, let's get to the second question on the docket. That is, was the crew of the enterprise able to beat the Borg just a little bit too easily?
0: Oh, yeah. I think they were able to do easily. We kind of touched on that a few different times during our conversation. Um, was it because they were separated from the collective? Uh, was it because of their time being, uh, frozen for so long? Were there some problems with their ability to adapt? Um, things like that. Uh, I think it was, it was very convenient for them to be able to get off eight or ten shots on the ship. Uh, and then they just were able to, Place a couple of silly putty explosives on the on the main device on the ship to blow it up and kill all the Borg in one fell swoop. Definitely, uh, it was a little bit too easy to defeat the Borg. But with those questions and topics that I just mentioned, maybe that's a valid explanation or some valid explanations for why. You know, I I'll give you
1: my answer to uh, now with how I thought they should have handled this. Okay. So I do think they were able to beat them a little too easily. I think that this maybe should have come as like the season 4 finale and not a cliffhanger. Have the Enterprise beaten and bruised and have them barely get out of that encounter with, you know, their hides. And then, you know, defeat the Borg or at least, you know, send them away somehow. And then this allows for the refit of the NX-01 that was supposed to happen in Season 5, where they give it the extended secondary hull, mm-hmm. they give it more power, it gets an upgrade to the warp drive. I th- thought it would have been a much better vehicle by which to make that improvement because the ship had just been decimated.
0: Interesting. That's very interesting because that's completely opposite of what I was just thinking about, how I'm glad it wasn't at the end of the series because then at that point, it was is, is like, was it just to try to be a ratings grab to make it survive a little longer? That's interesting. Well, you from know, like I, from, my, from a ahead. premise of the of the Star Trek universe, your your thoughts are are excellent. Um, from the thoughts of our universe and television, I think that's why I'm glad I was in season two.
1: Oh no, I, I agree with you. I just I thought as a as a storytelling device, it it also probably would have given some of the impetus as to why Federation starships look the way they do by Kirk's
0: era. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, You know, with that secondary hall, with engineering in that section and all that stuff. Sure. So I thought it could have been interesting. It, it probably would have set yet another debate in fandom aflame. <laughs> 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 and Dan, lastly, in our central questions, I mentioned earlier that this episode is kind of both a sequel and a prequel. Does it work as either?
0: As a si- prequel?
1: Uh, does it work as? as either a sequel or a prequel?
0: Um, I would say that it works as a, oh man, it's hard. If I have to, yeah, it works good as both, depending on how you look at it. Um, I think it's a prequel because we get to see the Borg for the first time, but that's only because of time travel, but it's a good sequel to see the Borg back in our universe, in our quadrant to get us all, you know, scared. And, you know, that feeling of dread that we talked about earlier. Um, we've had discussions on time travel episodes and how they can be convoluted or downright wrong. I don't think that this is one of those instances. I think that this, the way that they handled this to make it a prequel of the Borg is, was done fantastically because of the time travel in first contact. So I think it does work.
1: Okay. I can accept that answer. I don't, I don't know if I agree. You know, I think that there are elements of this episode that works extremely well. And I think there are other ones where it's just sort of like, okay, you did that for the fans. Mm-hmm. I think that it's hard for me to say it works 100% as a, as a sequel and a prequel. I think it works a little bit as as either one, but I think that they probably could have made some changes. I I, okay. I think of it more as a prequel than a sequel, um, but it it's kind of both. And that's really kind of where I'm on the fence. I... Yeah. yeah, you know
0: what I mean? I, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. struggling with it. I'm but and you know what? I think that's one of the things that's great about this episode is that if you really sit and think about it, you can be doing exactly what you just said. Be like, oh, I'm, I'm on the fence. I think that's great because it makes people discuss it and talk about it. And that's one of the reasons why it's a positive episode in my mind, because it makes you think about things like that.
1: Oh that yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I um, you know, and I don't want people to think I don't like the episode because I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just you know when I think of it as the way it's constructed and the way it's written, I think there are some things I would have done differently. But you know, it's it's a good story that's that's told relatively well, save some some plot aspects that we we wish had been different. So, um, it's it's a great hour. Don't get me wrong.
0: Oh, it's a great hour, and and I don't want to spoil anything because you know at some point we're going to be doing see It or skip it season two Enterprise. It's going to be a see it in my book baby.
1: <laughs> spoiler Wait, so you said you work on a spoiler, and then you spoiled it.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's a spoiler <laughs> at all. Yeah, I love this episode. It's probably one of my top uh, – when we do the top ten Enterprise with, uh, with Jim, this is going to be on that list. I can guarantee you that. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For Enterprise, yeah, this will be one of my top... Ta- this is one of the ones that I enjoy watching the most, and that's what I base my rankings on for favorite episodes of series. So yeah, this will so be you up know there. The
1: rule, the rule on the Trek Ranks podcast is no wrong answers, so oh, uh, your answer would be 100% valid. Yeah, maybe he'll invite us on his podcast someday, because we know we've had him on ours. I'm sure he will. <laughs> I'm sure he's dying to.
0: Yes, so. can't wait.
1: Dan, as we've mentioned, this episode is one that uh, causes a lot of of conversation among fans and people may have some feedback with our assessment of enterprises regeneration. How might they get that to us, sir?
0: Oh, there's a whole bunch of ways. And this is something that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to hearing some of the comments about uh, this episode of our podcast and of enterprise. So on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, as well as Instagram, you can find us at Trek geeks. You can also send us an email at podcast at trekgeeks.com Or you can give us a call at 508-784-1701 to leave a voicemail. Or do the same thing by heading on over to speakpipe.com. Slash Trek Geeks. And as we talked about earlier this evening, you can also join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Uh, just head on, head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and one of our admins or maybe Bill, if he's not too busy, will let you right in. And, uh, you know what? You're going to get early access to the Trek Geeks podcast before they are released to everyone else. So that is a big, big bonus. Um, to please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Back to Bill.
1: Thanks, Dan. Great job, buddy, as always. That doesn't mean I still wouldn't leave you under the ice at the Arctic Circle, but you've earned another day. Good on you, mate. (laughs) Okay. Dan, we, of course, have to thank our friends, the band Five Year Mission. They are so great to us in letting us use all of their music here for Trek Geeks, whether it's year one, year two, year three, Spock's Brain, Trouble with Tribbles, and, of course, now they're working on year four, buddy. We want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net, download all their albums, become a huge fan, because we are huge fans of theirs, and we can't thank them enough.
0: We we definitely can't thank him enough. And it's, you know, waiting for a new album from Five-Year Mission or a new digital album from Five-Year Mission is kind of like the feeling that I had this week looking forward to, the, to talk about the subject that we talked about this week. You know, I've got a huge new appreciation for Enterprise over the course of the last couple of years. I've always loved the Borg well before they were, you know, kind of wussified by Voyager. So, you know, you put those two things together. And in my opinion, Regeneration was a great story. So uh, I don't know. I guess you could say that I've always had faith of the fark. Uh and no, I'm I, not going to sing it.
1: Oh man. I I wish I could just delete this. Like Cisco. and uh, just delete this whole entry. At least I got just...
0: one one out of you this year that you laughed at.
1: Uh one out of one out of a hundred's not bad. <laughs> I, at Fark, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I had no idea that was going to happen. He just—he surprises me with these every episode. If this gets us another lawsuit, I'm just going to what?
0: what? I'm
1: gonna uh, curl up into a ball. Oh my god! Don't rock back him. and forth, muttering to myself. Don't give him ideas, man. Kind of like I'm doing right now. <laughs> faith of the Fark.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five got faith of the Fark. Okay, that's what I'm doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it would have been better if you'd done it as Peter Griffin, quite frankly.
0: <laughs> Maybe one
1: Five year, fiveyearmission.net. Everybody, go out and score yourself some great tunes. Dan, next week is something we've really been looking forward to for a long time. Dare I say, a couple of years?
0: Yeah, easily a couple of years. Uh, you know, we love welcoming Star Trek royalty to the show, and next ye- next week, well, let's just say that you don't get much better than this. JG Hertzler. General slash Chancellor Martok is going to stop by for an awesome discussion about his time on DS9. And I think it would be safe to say that it would be a great dishonor to miss next week's episode.
1: Oh, indeed. You know, Martok is one of our favorite characters. You know, for me in Klingons, he's like number two below core Mm. because he's just that different a Klingon. And uh, it was a great time talking to JG. I look forward to bringing that conversation next week on Trek Geeks. Uh, Dan, of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to head out to the Tricorder Transmissions online at the dot com. They've got so many podcasts out there. They've got Shore Leave, which is ramping up for the big convention in August. They've got now Trek Ranks with Jim Morehouse, which we were talking about a few moments ago. We, uh, we love them, and we hope everybody gives them a listen. And, of course, Dan, for all the latest news on all the Star Treks, please head on out to treknews.net online at treknews.net. For now, this has been Episode 102 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live
0: long and prosper. I, just, uh, I don't know why you had such a problem with that farkism this week. You know, man, I just try to, you know, make a foot. What the heck was that? I don't know, some weird green light shining. <laughs> in We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your coconuts. We will add the Treptique's biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile.
1: Oh,
0: Wow. Is that your Happy Mother's Day version of Bing Bong?
1: Well, for you, it's Happy Mother's Day, but okay.
0: Wow. All right. Well, Bing Bong. Bing, Bing, Bing Bong. <laughs> bing Bong. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. I am officially uh, recording from my new podcast studio for the first time.
1: Really? Because it, it kind of looks like a bedroom.
0: Well, you have to have an imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Which clearly you don't.
1: I think I'm devoid of any imagination from all the hours I've spent talking
0: to you. Thank you. You just sucked oh. the
1: life force right out of me. I
0: appreciate that. I'm glad to help. No. Yeah. We. It's not done yet, but I figured, you know what? I'm going to try it tonight. See how it is. I did some tests earlier and Sue couldn't hear me at all from just the next room over. So, uh, yes.
1: So our listeners are guinea pigs for you is what you're saying.
0: No, my wife was the guinea pig. I already said that to you. Do you not listen to what I say? You don't listen to what, what I say what exactly thank you i appreciate that
1: did you say something god i hate you so much right now yeah okay what are you drinking jerk face
0: i've got a margarita with fresh strawberries and watermelon and blueberries it's a fruit salad margarita (laughs) (laughs) i didn't want to put real sugar in so i just put fruit instead
1: a fruit salad margarita. So you know, when you say something like that, all I can picture is those uh those cans of fruit cocktail. You know, like uh, oh. they used to get in like elementary school and I picture you upending the can and all that horrible, you know, slimy juice Syrup. At the bottom of the can. Oh.
0: Yeah. And there's always one red cherry in that in the in the can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Yes. That's great. I-
1: I have some uh Tennessee fire going on right now.
0: Uh-huh. we had quite a bit of that last night. You don't say. Yeah, we had the uh the uh parents and my sister and brother in law, oh Alex Rebecca uh was up and um <laughs> uh we played uh cards for well into the night and, and we all were drinking and the Tennessee fire came out at one point, which it usually does. Good stuff. Love you, Donna. <laughs> yeah. Alex, Trebek.
1: yeah, Alex. He uh, he was in Insurrection. Did you know that?
0: Wouldn't it be funny if there was ever a Star Trek Insurrection question on Jeopardy, and then he read it off, and that would like probably like cause the multiverse to explode?
1: <laughs> and and he would, the question would go something like this: This movie in the Star Trek franchise is one I was not in.
0: <laughs> <Bing>!
1: <laughs> Dan, you have control of the
0: board. What is Insurrection, Alex? That is correct. <laughs> Your selection. <laughs> wow! Silly phrases my sister has said for one thousand.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the answer we were looking for was Ipswich Clams. What? <laughs> wow. Okay. No, it's it's a. I'm I'm kind of semi quoting the movie Running Scared.
0: Oh God! The I Lily haven't seen Crystal. that. I haven't seen that. Gosh, since I worked at the video store. <laughs>
1: Long, back, long
0: time ago. Oh back in the eighties.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Like eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. Yeah. Michael McDonald's sweet freedom was on the soundtrack.
0: Oh. <laughs> what?
1: if that was your Michael McDonald, you need to work on that. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, Yamo will be there. <laughs> yeah, if I hear Michael McDonald one more time, I'm gonna Yamo burn this place to the ground. I
0: was just gonna say that. What a great line!
1: I looked out the expletives. But.
0: We just before we started recording tonight, Sue and I drove down to South Portland because there's a an ice cream place that we absolutely love, and we'll drive the 25 minutes to go get an ice cream there because it's great. It's all soft serve. It's called Red's Dairy Freeze. Little plug. And we're driving, and I've got a trial for SiriusXM on my in my new truck and we're listening to the 80s station and Christopher Cross with Michael McDonald came on with Ride Like the Wind I think Sue thought I was going to drive off the road because I was dancing and, and singing as we were driving down the road it was pretty funny
1: you you have to learn Michael McDonald as I'm an ride like the
0: wind. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny
1: because I think everybody thinks they can sing like Michael McDonald in the car but yeah we all get there and all like Jimmy Fallon can and that's it <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah, that's good. I have to try to do something for the podcast with Michael McDonald.
1: Maybe that's the uh, Christmas album next year.
0: Oh, wouldn't that be? Maybe we can get Michael McDonald to come on.
1: I find that hard to believe.
0: I find it very hard to believe.
1: He would hear that you're on here, and he'd go, no, I'm not doing that Wow. Have you be- ever heard his speaking voice?
0: No. No. It is nothing like his singing voice. It's kind of like Jim Neighbors.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Probably. Probably. Well, yeah. He's got this really soulful kind of high pitch quality, and when he talks, it's just like, "Hey man, how's it going?" <laughs> it's like,
0: "What <laughs> nice." I'll have to you know, do some it's... YouTubing. Yeah, totally, totally,
1: totally jerk.
0: We're gonna talk Borg.
1: <laughs> Resistance is futile.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm very interested to see what you're gonna say about this because I have no idea what your what your opinion is on the episode, so it should be uh, an interesting conversation.
1: It will be simply because I'm part of it. It's brought down by the fact that you're in it, but that's neither here nor there.
0: I'm ready when you are. Oh, are you? <laughs> I have nothing else to say to you unless it's in an official capacity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, like, it's like my dream day. <laughs>
0: oh, man. You're a funny guy. All right, you ready? I am ready. Let's let's borg this beep up.
1: <laughs> Stop talking.